I'm David Ball. And I'm mate from Sunderland. And you are listening to the Wrong Bias Podcast. And on our first show of 2023, we are joined by the new indoor world champion, Mr. Malibu and Milk himself, Mr. Jamie Walker. We also catch up with our old mucker, Mr. Paul Hartley, on his first Potter's experience. Thanks go to XX20 for their continued sponsorship of the podcast competition. Right, mate, here we are, show number 47, I'm led to believe, and our great Potters adventure, mate. Good one, Yeah, really enjoyed it, mate. If anybody hasn't been to before, I, I can recommend going down, see if you can get a four-day thing for the World Bowls. My first visit, the arena, walking in on the Friday night, I know you were already down a couple of days, it looked tiny, sitting at the back watching the game. You could hear them steps, they're coming up and down them steps, clippity-clop, like I got in the commentary. Then one set each, and everybody's starting to go out, and I'm going, what's going on here, nine o'clock? Jason's right, scribbling away his bit paper bingo bingo <laughs> he's ripping it up and chucking it in the air <laughs> great experience and, and I love it down there I love just the whole aura I think that's that's the best word to use it's yeah. just an aura when you're there which is which is nice nice to be a part of um, and it was great great to have you down there this year yeah, it's it's like a bubble, isn't it? You're in a bubble for, I mean, to stop down for 17 days. I think I come back about uh, six to one every year. I mean, the full English <laughs> breakfast, the three course meals, the Peronis, the cappuccinos, you bloody dabbling in what was it? Apple spice, hot apple spice, spice apple, drinks. Tremendous. Twelve o'clock nice. at night. I'm going. What's going on? They only ever sold three, and you, I think they were all to you. Great, because you chuckle sometimes. Because you look at some of the players, you just you swear that the the they got up in size of Every game you watch, they come on and you go, you've been having a few of the three course meals there. There's an extra X on the shirts as they go up every every few days later. Well, you know, I mean, obviously, we are the presenters and we are the ones who dig into all of this. So, Jimmy, Jimmy Walker's definitely got to be asked that question because I swear he got bigger by the round. Oh, when he and comes on, he went, mate, well, he, he's, he's getting it. He's getting it when he comes on. <laughs> he was in from the pairs all the way through to the final. I'll tell you, he must have put about a stone and a half on. <laughs> well, there was one one story from the steward. I mean, the, the called the blue court and then they sort of like into the stadium anyway. I was getting taught to them one and I says, oh, God, I'm really kind of taking another full English. It's killing me, this. And he <laughs> says, well, you didn't have to have them, you know, son. I says, ah, oh, but uh, I feel as if I've got to take a one for the team. And as quick as a flash, he turned around. You know what he said? He says, well, it looks like you've took quite a few for the team, son. <laughs> I could have I could have grabbed his stick and ran off with it. I, I mean, give the bloke his due, like, because if I'd heard you said, I would have said exactly the same thing. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was quick as a cowboy. Was it? Oh, well, fair enough, son. It's just not right if you didn't uh, utilise the uh, all-inclusive side of the business, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. And we did get the opportunity to do a little bit of commentating, admit. Um, but I made my debut with Graham Irvin Cole. 
who looked at us and said, who's this fella sitting next to me here, yeah? And then, then we got on together, mate. They let us loose. Great, lovely guy, Graham. Really, really nice guy. And um, there was a, a lot of variation in the yeah. um, commentary. Another tick in the box on that one, I think that was a... That was a and you're never going to please anybody commentating. I've realised yeah. that. You sort of like, some people will enjoy it, other people will just, just call us the hairy bowlers oh, of the north, it, apparently. Who, who do they think? These are like this Indian commentary, the hairy bikers of Wolves. Uh, yeah. Whatever. It's like everything, Rich, we've talked about it before, and doesn't matter how good things are or what happens or what it is, there's just people on there who just love to get on and twist. Yeah. They just twist and twist and they've got no idea what they're talking about. But you, you look at them and you just go, why don't you just shut up? Just, yeah. just shut up. Because you're making yourself look like a fool. It's par for the course. It's par for social media. People love to get on there and think they're, think they're clever and think they're big by going on there and, and tapping the keyboard as hard as they can to try and yeah. get a point. But there was a couple, couple of things that I picked up on. The creaking boards... It was funny because actually you couldn't really hear it when you were sitting in the in the stands. Yeah. The only te- the only reason that you could hear it on the telly was because they had the mics down at green level, yeah. and it might be something to look at just to turn them either turn them down or turn the volume or or, or move them further away. And my old favourite as well, the coffin. But I get the answer. Some coughs going on in that bloody auditorium, mate. Pause. It's like everything, isn't it? It's like it doesn't matter what age demographic you've got in there, and we know it's that we know it's a higher demographic because of the where the tournament is, etc. And it's it's that type of setup. But the way the whole setup is at the moment, it doesn't matter who's in there. You're always going to hear somebody who's got aye, a quarter. Rustling your sweets and what have you. But I've I've seen us a bit a bit of a side market, mate. We're going to dare. Uh, we're going to sell them um, wrong bias boiled sweets, mate. I think that'll sort that. That'll sort that coffin out, mate. We've got a bit of a sideline. More merchandise coming our way. <laughs> Quick shout out to the umpires. Umpires did a great job. They're only human. They may make a mistake here or there. Think before you, you jump on your keyboards. It's the same in any sport at the end of the day. But um, you know those guys are very much under the microscope because it's quite a precise you know especially the measuring and, and whatever it is and the graft and the time and the um commitment that they put in to actually be there yeah if you're only making one or two mistakes a year then you're a top umpire as far as i'm concerned yeah and before we move on to your singles a couple of things um we found the snooker tables um i'm actually going to be called in off the red mackay um, and you're just going to smash them around, mate. You just crack them in the in the pockets. I tried not to demoralise you too much. I, was, uh, I obviously missed the black for the one four seven on purpose. So that's right, mate. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure the old fella that was playing next to us will get that bit of fragment of the pink out of his eye after you absolutely well he did it into the pockets. <laughs> and also, if if anybody hasn't seen the uh, Davies table tennis game against uh, Sam, Sammy Tolshaw at the end of it. I can recommend you looking at it because it is what happened next moment. Oh, that was great. Really yeah. great. Really great. Anyway, t- turn to your singles, mate. It would be remiss of us not to speak about it. you got, obviously, Stewie Anderson again. You played him up at Scotland. Narrowly missed out on the tie breaks. It was always going to be a tough game for you, mate. You know what he's like down there. And again, there was nothing between you, mate. Maybe just a couple of ends, maybe. I, won. I mean, I said it in the interview after one one silly mistake I made in the first set, which potentially cost us possibly a draw or even maybe sneak in the set. I went down there and the last thing you want to do is come away and, and not have played well. I was frustrated in a different way. I was frustrated at the fact that I played well. The hardest part is, uh, anybody who doesn't know Stu, I said after the game, it's not as if I could even call him multiple names because he's just such a nice lad and all that. You know, he's, I've got a lot of time for Stuart. And, um, he was very, 
you know, complimentary after the game, and, and it was a battle. And the nice comment Ari made in a, in a weird way in his interview after is he he said that he was he was nervous before the game, which was a night game, which was you know, it, hopefully that was it was either the fact that he's uh, thinking about the game or whatever it was. But I've I, I never had Stu down as a as a nervous type of lad, but. No, all in all, happy to an extent. Let's let's put it that way. Aye, aye. Well, my overall experience out of ten, I'd give it a ten plus. Many thanks to yourself and Paul for inviting us down to to uh, enjoy the five six days that we had. No need to thank us, man. It's um, it's really appreciate to have some familiar faces there supporting us, man. So it was much appreciated. Right then, so for his first ever appearance, not that he's mentioned it about 100 times about coming on the podcast, but said Hartley, my uh, partner in crime from Potters. We've had a couple on in the past too, have had that first experience down there, so we thought we'd get you on and you can give everybody a bit of an insight as to all the motions you went through and what it was all about. Well, first of all, thanks for inviting us eventually. <laughs> right. I mean, to be fair to us, we had to wait for something that was worth you getting on, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> whatever. Move yeah. along. I mean, Potters was just the best experience I've ever had in my life, really, mate, balls-wise. That few years we were down there together, mate, it was just, I just, I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. And it's first time there, but I would love to think it's not my last time there. Let's try and dig in uh, everybody out there who's never been before, obviously, and, and never had the opportunity to go. Let's start from scratch, obviously. You've qualified, you've over the mound. What was what was the lead-up in that last few days before you went down? What was what was the thoughts going through your mind? Well, truthfully, I was quite calm. It was you keep winding as well. <laughs> hey, who me? <laughs> and like, so when you get on on your first ball and you drop it and it flies out your hand and all that, and uh, it was like I was that was quite calm going down. I was, I think, because we were together, it helped. I must admit, I think if I was there on my own first time, I think it would have been a little bit like overawed. I presume I would, I don't know. First time with a mate, we just had a good laugh. We absolutely yeah. had like four or five days and just laughed and joked and enjoyed the games could we have done better I don't know fractions wasn't it, it was just things just Nicky and Brett were brilliant so fair play to them they won it so you can always see you got beat off the winners I mean just even just the, the journey down it's, I mean it's, it just seems to take ages and ages to get there and <laughs> just, <laughs> die. You know what I mean and it's like the journey down we just took our time we got there and had a look around obviously you know you both of them knew me dad well but he always wanted to go because I remember I think he he took me when it came in what was it Preston was it Preston mm-hmm. Guildhall Guildhall yeah. yeah I think it was John Price versus Shuba and he took me there when I was a young one and it was great loved it and then when I went to Potters he was like should we go down get tickets and we'll go down and like by this time I was more like more serious of balls and I was like to be honest dad no I didn't want to go if I'm going down I want to go and play not to watch Somebody play that. Most might I don't know what it sounds like, but it just that was where I always felt. So thankfully, why well, unfortunately he wasn't there, but I now find well he would have been loving it getting there and and the experience was outstanding. Like I, I would say to anybody if they do get the chance to go, get yourself there because five star treatment, the look after you, the food's amazing and the drink. It's just it's just a excellent facility. You know what I mean? Brilliant. I mean I know there's loads of people saying, oh, can they not move a better position? Before I've gone, I probably would have said ah, I would be better if it was in the middle of the country or somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Now that I've been, definitely not. It's got to stay there, as far as I'm concerned. So a few years ago we we talked about I think it was with Kevin Harrison when he was on the on the podcast and there was a bit of a discussion around new players getting there. 
and maybe just not knowing the ropes and not necessarily not being made welcome, but feeling as if you're a little bit of an outsider. Did you get that feeling at any point? Truthfully, no. no. Like I say, probably because I was with you and obviously, I mean, there's quite a few lads because I've been around the scene now and again, knocking around for a few years now. I think I think I knew the majority of the lads that was there anyway. The overseas lads was very, very welcome. I mean, I remember when we the first first night we were there, David, the, that our opponent came over straight away and said, you're playing us on Friday or Saturday and he introduced himself and it was just really good atmosphere with all the players and loved us. We had a couple of days of practice and got ready for the game. Do you, do you think it was a benefit to go down a, a couple of days early, Paul, to, to, um, get, onto, I, to get onto the yeah, rink? I, I'm pleased we did. I, I, we, we managed to get a we got half an hour on the Wednesday and then we got two half an hour sessions on the Thursday so it was good yeah I mean that, that first half now we're just absolutely just walking into the arena do you know what I mean even when it was empty it's like oh my word do you know what I mean it is a bit daunting at first but once you get into it and once the game started to be fair that that, that first day when the game was on it was like waiting around the back and I mean the two lads Frank and, and Scotty who we played the first game really felt for Frank because you could just tell he was <laughs> nervous and I just thought to myself well I'm not as bad as him I know that <laughs> <laughs> was the seven second intake of breath before his first ball a giveaway that's it I think he had the jack in his hand and he's like big breathing and I was thinking right I'm okay if, I, if he's like that I'm okay <laughs> uh, I, I felt for him because like I said it, it is if it's especially for those lads from the USA it's like coming across they've never played on an indoor surfboard and all of their greens are like outdoor synthetic or, or whatever out there and then all of a sudden you've got stacks of people like right on top of you watching what you're doing with your balls and to be fair when it goes really quiet you can understand why i mean i've never been one for getting put off with somebody coughing or moving or anything like that it's never, never ever bothered bothered us but you can understand when it goes like so quiet you can hear a pin drop you can understand it i mean you know some of them do probably milk a little bit but it, it is now and again i was i was happy sometimes when the crowd was clapping for my opponent's ball because i was just getting on the mat and just bowling me ball before they even stopped clapping do you know what i mean just First ball was was a good one anyway, mate, wasn't it? So that'll have calmed you. I don't know. I can't remember now, mate. I remember. Oh, it was a good one, <laughs> mate. Davey clapped you. I don't, I don't know why he was clapping you because you got the little disc on the inside and it managed to come out your hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just hoping, hoping plays don't bounces. <laughs> <laughs> I was staging my whole tournament on my bounces, man. It was that quick. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Is, uh, honestly, yes, I've never been anything as quick as that before. It was something like eight, nine and a half seconds, I think, that first game. I felt even faster, to be fair. Malayu was down supporting us as well. We'd both worked out. If it was one bounce, I was, uh, I was flying. Two bounces, I was pretty good. Three bounces, I was short. I was quite happy that, uh, quick mention for John Wilson, who came along, obviously, the, the bouncing bombs. But uh, credit to John as well, for obviously raising that money for the charity and, and, yeah. and coming on and, and just showing a bit of character and a little bit of personality and something different. So, so credit to the lad. One thing that does stick out as well when you get down there for the first time is actually seeing all of the work that goes on. That was sort of part of my question about Previously, you would get there and there wasn't really anybody to show you the ropes or anything like that. But you, you see all the work that goes on behind the scenes with Tom upstairs and Martin and Jason and Graham, uh, um, who was, obviously was on commentary. And then you've got Andun Woody running about left, right and centre. And, you know, you see, oh, we, we get in there and we'll have a bit of practice and we're watching the games. And you, you look up in the windows and she's there from like nine o'clock in the morning after breakfast and she's still cracking in there at quarter to 11 at night. I say you don't appreciate how much work they do, do you know what I mean, until you actually see them there and, the, and the, I mean, Jason, the way, the way, I mean, not just Jason, all of them really, but they've, they've totally ter- turned the PBAs around fantastic. 
kind of kind of praise them high enough for what they've done and long may it continue. But when you're there and you see them, they're just they're up in that top room there. I don't know, it's a sixteen hour day, I think probably. I don't know if I missed them out there. There's Gordon, Gordon as well. I don't obviously I don't don't want to miss anybody because the the team just works so well. But if there's anybody out there who doesn't see what's happened this year and think to themselves, I want to go in the PBAs and have a goal, then it'll never ever happen. To be fair, Jamie and Jason, they literally yeah. just set the bar for all the PBA qualifiers. They look at this is what you can do. That that year when Kev qualified, he beat me in the the final at Carlisle qualifier. Where I'd already and the next year I'd lost to Julian Lorna in the pairs qualifier. The week after, I lost to John Carswell in the um, Scottish Open qualifier. And I for a week it was just the, the worst. The best and the worst of balls, really. Got to be lucky enough to get through. And then once you're through, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, definitely. And like I say, you've, um, we've talked a lot in the past and, and we've said that there's there's massive progress being made and the provisional rankings, we've just been discussing them. And you've got Jamie has gone in at number 10 now. So he's broken into the top 16. Right. And you've Jason who's joined 16th. So that's that's current for the season, obviously. And dependent on whether there's any more tournaments for the season, which potentially might be the UK Open. But yeah, so two lads there, they've gone in, they've gone through the qualifying stages, played really, really well. Things have all gone their way and then they've broken pretty much into the top 16. If the quality of the qualifiers that are getting through now are on a, on a par with the seats and there's very few easy games down there. Now. And there'll be more from Paul later in the show. So here we are got uh, royalty on the show so we've uh, we've managed to get Mr Jamie Walker who many of you will have seen has just banged the old world championship in there just to add to his ever-grown uh, bulging career of uh, wins congratulations Mr Walker and welcome to the podcast Yes, thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. So I mean the most important question is how big do your bollocks feel right now? <laughs> oh, cut that out. <laughs> leave it in, leave it in you. Come on. <laughs> How does it feel, man? How does it feel? Oh, yeah. Delighted, obviously. Been an interesting week this week, obviously, after getting back on Monday morning with a slightly sore head and getting through all the thank yous and all the messages I got from guys like the phone had a bit of a meltdown Sunday. Um, yeah, just a lot of relief. I mean, you sort of get caught up in the, the whole rigmarole of it. You've not really got time to, to think about it too much because we play... When we played the, obviously we played Thursday, quarterfinals, Friday, you get into a routine of play the game. Obviously, if you're successful, you, you're just sort of trying to prepare for the next one. You don't really get time to dwell too much on the games that have gone through. Obviously, this week, had a bit of time to reflect and stuff. Yeah, it's been just delighted with the outcome. Obviously, you think back for all the years that that competition's been going, the really good players who have been there and had my chance last year getting through and losing in the first game but yeah just over the moon I'm going to take you back to that actually because obviously that, that we were both down there last year and obviously your first game was against Jimmy Chesney and and I, and I would sort of say in a lot of ways you've got two similar styles of play you, you don't let anything lie and and obviously, you got down there and played Jimmy. And, and it, did you take a lot from that first? That, oh, yeah, you know? huge. Like, I didn't know any of any of how the setup was there. Obviously, that was the first time I've always been to Potters before, but I've never been there when the whole the portable rink set up with the stands and how the, the whole sort of process of the competition works as such. Probably a bit naive in the fact of like when we were booking rink practice sessions when I played last year with Jamie. Like, I rocked up late at night, had a go. Thought it was fine. I'd only got rinks booked like late at night the following day. Practice really good. Then you come to play at seven o'clock. There's loads of people in there. It's about 10 degrees warmer. It was like, well, this is not what I've been practicing on. And you get behind 
as I did the first set of numbers in January, I think I was five nil down at the two end, and it's just you want to you're chasing the game like the the, the ring's not playing how we've practiced. Do you know what I mean? But this year is completely different. Obviously, being there in the pairs and getting better booking better practice slots and having a few games in the pairs, like there's just a massive difference. Like that carpet is like no other carpet you'll ever play on. It plays different to any rink. There's no rink you've ever played on a club that's like it. So the only way you're going to get used to it is by playing more games on it. So that definitely helped this year. Obviously the games in the pairs leading up to the singles was a massive, massive um, advantage. But I think on there, you've just got a what I took away from playing Jamie last year is watching his runners Yeah, is the big thing I took away from there, whereas you can just go hard down the middle. But there, I think you've got to play the way sort of him and Nicky play them, where you just, you're not flat out, you're giving it a chance and that all the hands want to bend for you. I think that's the biggest thing I took away from, from last year and tried to put that into how I played this year. It's funny you say that, Jamie, because I must admit there was times watching you through some of the, some of the games where I expected you to go quicker and you didn't. And it was like that, Sean, and that was one of the things I was going to ask. Was was that one of the things that you took away from last year as to, you know, what you've gone into this year and, and changed as part of your setup and going into the tournament? And that, that stuck out like a sore thumb for me. I thought you you played a lot of like constructive time and ball, so to speak. But as we've said loads of times before, you, you can't play the clever shots because they either stick or they go. You just seem to have that middle runner, which works straight yeah. for you all the way through. Yeah, I feel like that was definitely definitely in my mind to, to go in there. Like, you've got to be able to hit on there because the players you're playing against are so good. They're going to have ends when they pack bowls in the head. So yeah. that was, I was conscious that that was the way I was going to play the runners after watching Nicky play that way for so long and, and Jamie. Obviously, you are going to miss sometimes playing that because you are letting the ball bend and there's more margin forever. But I feel like that way also you give yourself more margin to hit the target. But yeah, I was conscious. And obviously, sometimes when you don't quite give it enough, you maybe look like you've tried to play that two or three yard on shot, which is impossible. But it's more not quite getting into the runner rather than I felt more confident than that and trying to be flat out. Um, yeah, I was going to say, because you, you always come across as is really confident on the on the green anyway. Did you just back yourself all of the time with that? Because you've said yourself, it's so easy to play those runners and a, and a lot of qualifiers for the first time probably shy away from playing them because they're frightened of dropping the big score. They don't want to play a shot and miss and then find that somebody's just hezzling the jack and you end up three and four down and you're under pressure. I think the style of play that you had this year and Nicky's played in the past and, and um, cheddars as well you've just got to go in there 100% all the time haven't you you've just got to back yourself constantly to actually hit the head yeah definitely I mean you can't be I don't think you can be playing defensive on there like you've got to be a, if it doesn't work out if you miss the runner sewer for it with your second and third bowl then you've got to be in the mindset that you're going to draw a shot with your last but obviously I think you're probably better off playing that attacking way and obviously that's the that's the mindset I had that I was going to try and not let build heads build against me if guys are on their length sort of thing because obviously when they're playing their length you're going with your second bowl they've already played two that was a conscious thing obviously maybe not on your own length so much because you don't want to be giving them yards and yards of the last to be grabbing spare shots and stuff like that but yeah certainly was conscious of heads didn't lie great after two bowls I was not afraid to be Again, through it. There are a certain point in the tournament as well, and, I, and I've, I've got to agree with you with regards to having those pairs games on. Obviously, having the having the opportunity to play a couple of pairs games before my singles as well, I felt good going into the singles. But from your own point of view, was there a point in the tournament where you thought I've got a big chance here? I mean, I know you always back yourself, and I, I'm not sort of trying to say that you don't. But I always think there's a point in a tournament as well where you just know things are rolling well and things were going your way. You had a lot of tight sets as well, which you were managing. To obviously 
I think you had, was it five tied sets that you had? I think I won two sets and only lost one, I think, out of the 10 sets I played. Yeah. Well, I think I won three, drew five, lost one or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But like all the games are going to be close. And you try and obviously you try to win everything, but after I beat Mark, I felt more confident because obviously when I played Greg, you then I don't know a week between games, and you get all the chat about the greens going to change and this and the other. And I went home for a few days, and you're basically starting again. Obviously, you got that in the locker you played on there for a few games previously, but after I beat Mark, I felt like it was as it was before, as such. The green, then I say you're playing game after game, day after day. Yeah, but once I got back and felt like it was as I expected it to be. I still felt confident, obviously, going into the games. Great stuff. No, it was it was great to watch. I mean, like I say, you you never looked as if you you played with any doubt throughout the whole competition. To be fair, from the, from the games that I watched, what I learned this time was feeling comfortable in what hand I was going to play on each length, and not everybody like people watching me were thinking we played the backhand all the game, and then but I felt confident of switching to the forehand when the length changed, and I already had that in my mindset before I went on the green, yeah. which I think was a big help. Obviously, you and out there playing, you don't really want to be thinking about too much, and I already had it in my head. If somebody goes this length from playing this hand, if somebody goes this length from playing that hand, sort of thing, which is a big help. You can't, you don't really want to be thinking about too much when you're out there playing. You just want to be getting in the groove and obviously just putting bowls as close as you can at end after end. And if you're worrying about scratching about thinking I can't get to the jack, that's detrimental to how you can obviously perform. Um, I totally agree. And I said, I think I said it to you, Richard, didn't it? it was either yourself or Molly. And I said, it's the first time probably ever of me going down there. And I th- whether it was having those pairs game beforehand or exactly what you've just said there, there was, I didn't have to question what I was going to play. And it didn't, I, I wasn't thinking I've got to stick to a certain hand all the time because that's the hand I'm playing better. It's the first time ever I actually started to play the balls, which were dependent on the length of, of the jack on in a particular direction. So it would just be an automatic switch. You're right. People probably would go, well, he's just played two smokers down that hand or you know why is he switching but there is just certain lengths on there that are just perfect for a particular hand and you, you've just got to play what's best and, and I totally agree taking that sort of thought process out of your mind and just knowing what you're doing just gives you that little bit of extra comfort and especially with the shot clock as well last thing you want to be doing is, is chopping and changing and wondering what to play when you've got a, a 30 second shot clock behind your back as well what was the sort of feeling saying I mean Jason obviously who you played in the final had a phenomenal run he was playing some great stuff and, and I take my hat off to the lad he was just rock solid all the way through I mean Jason was fantastic all week he didn't he didn't look out of place from game one there I mean the prelim when he played Darren he played fantastic obviously getting that game under your belt he took full advantage when he played Skelly I mean moving through I mean he just he looked didn't look out of place did he? his, his drawing ability is unquestionably he's one of the best draw players you'll see it was his composure for me, mate, that stood out. I thought, like, it stuck out like a sore thumb. He just never, ever, throughout the whole tournament, looked as if he felt any pressure whatsoever. He never looked as if he was under any pressure whatsoever. The further he was going in the competition, you were all, I was I was saying to myself, this is where he's going to, he's, he's really going to fail. He's in the quarterfinal stage now. He's potentially, you know, you're getting closer and closer to that thing. But every single game that I watched, he just didn't seem to flacker at all. No, and he did that in the semi-final against Mark. I mean, a chat with Mark after the game and that, and obviously... It was a high-quality game, like most of the games were there. Mark's obviously thinking in the back of his head, Jason's going to falter in a minute, again, towards the back end of a second set and the tie-break, and he's just going bang, front touch of first bowl. And that's what you've got to do against the top 16 guys. You've got to keep putting them under pressure. And like yeah. I say, Jason didn't look like he was too flustered at any point. As David keeps saying, it's fine margins. Uh, the last couple of ends, Jack bounces, you get the shot. Jason went through the wall twice, but 
Yeah, it's fine margins, mate. Last end, oh, he's Jason's playing his ball halfway up the green. Were you inside, sir? He's tight. Uh, to be fair, I was. When he let it go, I thought it was really tight. But oh, yeah. way up, I'm thinking he's still hanging on. There was like my green bowl. I think he could have back edged, and I was thinking, I'm, like Wayne had one earlier in the tournament where I thought, oh, he's tight, and then all of a sudden you think, oh no, there's bowls. There's bowls there that can be used, sort of thing. So I mean, I say that final the the few odd bits and moments where you needed a bit of fortune, they certainly went my way. But in a close game, you'll take it all day all day long. Like I didn't thought there was any outrageous flukes or whatever. But I say like that second from last end in the second set, I've just got to hit the jack and hope that when the dust settles, it's it's fell all right. And because I left myself in a bit of a sticky situation, but yeah, those are the breaks you need. I mean, I've watched that tournament for long enough and yeah. know that it's never been plain sailing for anybody who's won it. If the roles were reversed on that end where you, you ditched the jack, I think Jason had a, maybe a couple of seconds. Would you have had a little double at the ball or would you have... Uh... I think it was my toucher that followed it through, I think. Was it? But right. I think so, yeah. But it's one of them where, like, I don't know, Jason's thought process was about it. But, like, Jason's up in the set. It's like he just wants to go on and play his bowl. Like, he, he must be thinking of a draw shot here, free it, playing the last. So it's all good. Like, can't really be dwelling on shots. And now I've had a lot of people say to me, I can't believe Jason ran it with his last ball. But it's like, well, he's got two seconds he's gone through the gap twice I mean I know what shot I'd have been playing so yeah I mean there's a few things I know I would have done differently yeah. looking back shots throughout certain games um thinking of if I had a little bit more time to dwell over it but you're in a process where you're just under the pressure of the clock yeah. so would you get rid of the shot clock just as a matter of interest no or would you, would you no, extend the shot clock would you extend it? As in give... Um, I mean, there's a few tweets. I think when somebody... The only thing I've thought is when somebody takes a timeout, the time, the 60 seconds should just be added on from whenever they take it. Do you know what I mean? Like, if they take it at 20 seconds, they've got 80. Because yeah. a lot of times you see players, it gets down to like 12, 13 seconds, and they're more worried about what the shot clock's doing than actually yeah. thinking about what's going on in the head. To me, I think it makes for a better viewing and obviously takes a little bit of time to get used to in regards to maybe like following your second bowler and being at the head and then watching your opponent's bowl coming down, see if it's going to be changing the head and getting back to the mat yourself. But I think what it does is it makes for better viewing and that's the only thing. You don't really want to be standing there watching people standing in front of the head for two or three minutes. I mean, we were watching the final. I'm going to dob him in here, Jamie. We were watching the final at uh, West Denton. And he says, bye. You can tell Jamie's been down there for 11 days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The camera is not, the camera is not friendly. <laughs> did you get, yeah. did you sort of like work your way through the shirt on the, as you were going in? Davey ended yeah, up with were... a 4XL by the time he was finished. <laughs> yeah, they were running out of X's. I thought it must really... You start off with a medium. <laughs> Just saying at the start, well, it's so funny because you can tell the guys who's been in the tournament the longest because they just expand every game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly do. Same full English, mate. They good. They good. To be fair, we've just been looking at the ranking list, and obviously, you you're in there ten now. So obviously, all that uh, all the work over the years to obviously break in there must be a, a relief as much as anything else to know that you haven't obviously got to go through that that slog again, and obviously justified for, for for your performance down there. So your own point of view now, it must must be nice to know that you're in there and you've got to crack every single time now. Yeah, obviously, yeah. That's we all go to the qualifiers for and trying to be breaking into that that mould. I mean, it's not the aim when you get to pause, I don't think. That was never in my mind that if I win three games, I might break into the top 16. It was, I went there to try and win. But obviously, that's the perks that come with getting far in the tournament. Obviously, 
obviously winning is probably the time where there was a lot of the guys in the bottom half of that top 16 that hadn't really got a lot of points. And I think that was the time going to the qualifiers this year. That's why the last couple of years, obviously getting through in Scotland and getting through the Potters last year, their little points, obviously they all tally up when the guys in the top 16 towards the bottom end are not are not picking up points. But yeah, it is tough. I mean, the quali- I, I really enjoy the qualifiers. I mean, you're playing five, six days of games a day against good quality opposition. I mean, I think Jason and me both got through to Potters on the last bowl. At silly o'clock at night, but I say the, the qualifiers seem like they were really well supported this year. And I mean, hopefully, that proves what me and Jason have done that the guys out there will still keep trying to go. All this closed shop stories that you always hear. I mean, people are getting the opportunities now with the re entries into the qualifiers and that. I mean, I can only see it going one way in regards to other people breaking into the top 16. That's it. It's the first time two qualifiers have been in the final. But what you you look at the bigger picture and you are st- you, you're two international ballers at the end of the day. You, you're not sort of like Tom, Tom, Dick, and Harry that's come through a club ball who's, who's worked his way through up like uh, Ackwood and Stanley. You apologise to any Ackwood and Stanley fans. But you are two quality ballers. When you take the international series, for example, you're going to have 96 players turning up there who are all international standard players that wouldn't look out of place if you put a top 16 event on. They can all play bowls on the day. I think the setup probably helps the top 16 guys, maybe with the way the Potter's carpet plays. You go in basically to their green that they've played on year after year. Getting that advantage is obviously massive for them because they're all obviously quality players as well. It's like you go away to play anybody in a national on their own green. It's away from home. Football, rugby is always it's all the same. Like it makes it that little bit tougher. But obviously, the more games we've got on it this year, obviously helped. And yeah, delighted. And I mean, the guys at the top sixteen and the WBT. I've only got good things to say about them. Tom, Gordon, Jason, Martin. I think they're pushing to the sport to head in the right direction. Obviously, COVID didn't help them, but things look... Then the word of, word of mouth you hear, Brown, when you're at the event, sounds really positive. That's what I was just about to say, actually. I mean, it's a, it's a big claim to make, but I, I genuinely feel that this tournament this year and the outcome of the tournament with you and Jason making the final, I think it's it's going to push the sport on. Uh, and, I, and I really think it's going to potentially create big things for the sport because like I say I think anybody sitting out there who's never tried PBAs before and maybe just thought oh it's you know we've all said it and I've said it I've said it a few years ago it was harder to break out of the top 16 than it was to actually get in it but I've also said over the last couple of years I mean the progress has been phenomenal we mentioned it earlier on we had Paul Hartley on earlier on who I was obviously in the pairs with and we talked about the graft and the work that goes on down there by the WBT staff that people probably just aren't aware of. The steps in the you know the direction that's been made over the couple of, last couple of years has been phenomenal, and and I just think yeah I, I can I can only say it grown now, and I, and I think you know a testament to you to you two guys that you've gone through the the rigors just like everybody else has, but I think you've just sort of summed up what we talked about prior to the tournament that. The quality of the qualifiers that are now starting to go through are just top-notch players. Uh, and the top 16 note, and you can sense it now, there's no easy games down there now, where, you know, there's no disrespect to others in the past, where I think there's, there's potentially has been. And the top 16 have maybe had a, a little bit of an easy ride due to the, their knowledge on the green. But I, I genuinely feel that a lot of the players that are starting to get there now have all got possibilities to do the same as what yourself and Jason have, which I think is a great thing. Yeah, I mean, the guys coming over from obviously overseas, can some of them can be first time on the carpet. But I thought the level of the Australians and the two Canadians who were over at this time, Cody playing the singles, 
obviously didn't play as well as he had done in the pairs, but uh, Sean, the Aussie lad, gave Mark a hell of a game in the first round of singles. And some of the other games in the first round of singles, like you said, qualifiers, like Sam against Mike, like the, co- the quality of the game was just as good as any of those later in the tournament. Like. Yeah. And that can only be good when you've got so many games going on. It doesn't vote well for the sport when the quality is not as good from the sports from the start, but yeah. the quality is just getting like the darts. You look over years have gone by in the darts. The first round wasn't you say, oh, the top 16, top 32 are going to walk through, but they don't anymore. People turning up from qualifying schools and it's the same, the same principle in the bowls. The better people getting through, the better quality of the matches, and it can only be good for the for the viewers and for getting sponsorships. And I think the positive words were from the guys and the, the sponsors and the guys at Potters were they thought it was the best year they'd had there. So it can only be a good thing. Richie, have you got anything else you want to ask? Pass on me congratulations, mate, and look forward to 15 years down the line saying, is that Jamie Walker still in that bloody top 16? <laughs> <laughs> he's he still hanging yeah, on by his fingers, yeah. like one game every year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the other one is, oh man, I've seen a photo of you, Malibu and milk. I'm a big northerner, man. What's Malibu and milk? Uh yeah. I think I'm. I think I've actually discovered that I'm lactose intolerant, so there could be the end of the, the Malibu and milk <laughs> for now. <laughs> <laughs> you want me and Jamie to become uh, cheesecake intolerant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be packets. <laughs> it's a great environment for obviously the bowlers who are there, but obviously the guests who are there, like being able to mingle and chat and come and say hello to the players and that. There can't be many other sporting events where that, that goes on behind the scenes. Like, And yeah, a few of the guys who, who come up later on in the tournament to, to support, like they're definitely going to be coming for a few days next year. Um, and a few, hopefully, few hopefully non-bowlers just to see what the, see what the cracks were about. For me, I think Potters need to change this bingo session where you're losing, losing a hundred, you know, half the crowd disappearing at the end of, at the end of the second set, just as the tiebreak is about to happen. I thought that was one thing that I think needs to be given feedback on and the other one for me is I think they need to potentially take the screens away from the bar area while the matches are going on to try and drive more people into there would you agree with that or do you think it's a it's a good option to have both I mean yeah obviously the bingo's a bingo prime time there but I mean I'm sure the guys are part of more known to this I know there's a few things that went on this year that were brought up and they were more than happy to to help the guys there there that were bringing stuff up and were happy to like listen and take on board what was going on yeah the screens thing I think obviously the second week once it goes live on the BBC it's sort of the crowds lift anyway don't they I think once yeah. you've got the finals going and this that, and the other but yeah it's it's like this but when you see like maybe sort of half it full but then you know in the bar there's X, there's enough to fill the stands whatever when you're in there so maybe, yeah, I think probably that was something that was mentioned when we were there about the screens being off or obviously you were all about the look of the sport and you know it is slightly normal. you know that there's enough to fill the stands and be in there watching, sat in the bar watching it on the telly. And that's it, again, it's something that a lot of people don't see and just think that it's just badly supported, which it certainly isn't because that place is... It's no, that place is even, isn't it, from day one. Yeah. Well, mate, we'll not keep you trying. I know you've had a, a, a tough game in the same... Oh, one last thing before you go. Is it, you know, when you said you went home in between, like, for a few days? Yeah. Am I right in thinking that you went to the Grand Prix and got battered? I, so, yeah, that was on my journey back to um, 
That was my journey, journey back to Potters. I thought, I've obviously been asked to go and play in the Grand Prix, whatever, and that was my first first time there. And uh, I thought, well, that'd be all right. Lincoln's pretty quick. That'd be like Potters. Rocked in there, and it was felt heavy as hell. I was like, oh, probably not going to do my chances any good. Uh, I did ask Tom and Brett to be kind by not lobbing the jack 39 and a half metres rather than 29 and a half. But, yeah. I mean, there were some good games that day. I think I lost every set last bowl, so I got all my bad luck out of the way. I got all my bad luck out of the way on that Tuesday before I went to back to Potters. I hadn't, I hadn't looked at the scores what somebody had said that you'd popped into Lincoln to play the Grand Prix and you lost there and then a few days later you're winning the World Championship like but uh, no, great stuff with with my little position on the PBA now from, from a PBA perspective I think it's it's just it's amazing isn't what you've potentially the two years have done for, for PBA qualifiers anybody who's wanting to have a go but, uh, no great stuff man. and uh, like I say Lap it all up, mate. I hope um, some great things come off the back of it and um, potentially there might be a UK Open where no doubt you'll get an automatic invite for that, which uh, which is only rightly so. Um, and if it does happen, then uh, I'll hopefully see you up there. Yeah, cheers, guys. All the best. Cheers, Thanks, Jamie. Thank Thanks you. Well done, mate. Cheers, guys. And now we return to our chat with Paul Hartley. We walked in there on the Friday night and you sort of, it looked tiny. I mean, I don't know what it's like for, for Paul being a newbie with the spectators so, so close. Do you feel a bit caged in? I'll be honest with you, Rich, the, the spectators did not bother us. That wasn't, they weren't bothering us. It, it was the green that was like, you, had, you just had to concentrate on your, your balls, really, because everybody who was played on it knows, like, just the slightest little, an extra flick of the finger, and you're probably flying a yard through, do you know what I mean? So it was more concentrating on you just, your actual balls than worrying about what was happening in the crowd. Yeah. I mean, I, I just remember that first game and just to see you two sitting in the front row, that was just, we, you were the only two supporters we had in the whole arena, I think. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Definitely the second game, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, it was it was good to have a, just a couple of friendly faces just to look at it, if things was down a little bit or just just a little nod off Mali. I remember Mali gives us a couple of winks and all that nods. It's just, it was just nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, as the whole of the crowd, I mean, the, the game against Greg and Nicky, I mean, it, was, it seemed full. I, I know it never looked, looked yeah. much, but it did seem quite full that game. Like. There was a good crowd in, mate. And there were the, the, the crowd favourites, weren't there, really? I can understand that. I mean, to be fair, there was a, now and again, there was somewhere on the on the stand near the top end from opposite end from you. There was a couple of times David Bowles and he was... Very unlucky, let's just see. He was very unlucky with his balls. And all I heard was this person up at the top cheering. It's an art girl associate. I don't know what it means saying it yet. Me, Adam, where is he? Oh, where? You know what I mean? But um, no, it was the crowd didn't didn't affect us at all. Like to be fair, it was the green. It was keep the concentration for the green, not for yeah. worrying about anything else. It can't affect the crowd so well, well, I have to admit, mind you, when you were walking down with the music on for the first one, there was a little bit of a tear in my eye. I was just over the moon to see you, you know what I mean? It was great to see two lads that I know walking down the green to the music with the smoke in the background coming out of Bortley's backside. <laughs> <laughs> and a bit of Kylie as well. What about the girls <laughs> I, I like to see he's batting the pairs, otherwise I'll not get back down. The story me and David getting together is like, it seems as if it was never going to happen, wasn't it, mate? We used we 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 decided about three four seasons ago. I think it was in yeah. David's personal life. His 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 dad took bad and he had to drop out. So I got a I got a sub in, and then um, me and the sub did really well. Me and Gary got Gary in, and we did really well. So we, I felt obliged like have another go the following year, and 
then we just saw happen this year was the first year we managed to managed to get together and thankfully we did our first attempt. So I asked him when, when we got back to the room, Rich, I asked if we were going to try again and uh, thankfully he said yes, we'll try again. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Looking forward to it. You come out of there, you know, and it's it's like it's that feeling of do all this all over again. But then it gets to the point where you start to think, right, I'm, I'm looking forward to the challenge again. I'm looking forward to having another go on. Do you know what it is? I, I, I came away from Potters. Like, you think you go down there and you get beat and you're like, you're like down and all that. I've actually come away wanting to play all the time now. I'm like ready. For every game I've played since I've come back from Potters, I've been like really like excited to play and just trying to keep form going. And we've been good mates for a long time. <laughs> a very long time. Well, we, I mean, we started playing together what, when we were about, you'll have been about uh, 22, I'll have been about 10. Who <laughs> wish? <laughs> in your dreams, son. Who wish? We've had a lot of years together, mate. It's real high for me, mate. Uh, you know, it's, it seems a while ago now, but that last ball to actually to win the win the qualifier and, and get through was that World Pairs qualifier. We when we played, I think it was was it our semi final. I think we played and we were playing two local lads on their own green on the old part their own patch. They, they were absolutely by the player really well and there was that one shot which I'll never ever forget where it was like my mind you were going to hit it in my mind you were hitting it we were down in the game we were, in my mind you were hitting it and you said no I'm going to draw this shot drew within a millimetre and we never dropped another shot we managed to win that second set and win 2-0 and then the, the final against Gary and Mark four going at the last end I think we were we were, late, we, we were four down and I remember that ball coming up and I was sitting oh my god to be fair I just remember Gary behind us he just went ah well ball lads as soon as he said that I was like we've done this like we've done it he's done it it's good when you come back and like you say people coming up you're in like saying I watched I watched you and you were you were, were excellent and all this and like it, it does make you feel good that we yeah. we put in a good performance I don't think we uh, embarrass ourselves man. no definitely and that's that's what I, I sort of said when we're down there there's nothing worse than going and having that opportunity, and it's great to have the opportunity, but if you let yourself down by playing badly, you'd come away from there and you'd, I think it would play on your mind a lot. But I think if you can play well, it's such fine margins. If you can play well and you put up a good show and people, you you know what you're capable of, have watched and basically made those comments about it was a great game and, you know, you've played well. It's, it's, it is nice. It takes a little bit of the bitterness away from losing. Anyway, I've got a bit of a surprise for the two years. It's a bit like this is your life. We've got a mystery guest coming on. Now, he's from our experience at Potters. So here we go. <laughs> That's Molly. Well, is it Molly? Because. We've got a story here, like, haven't we, David? The first night we were all in the same room together, you got up the next day, Richie, and we're whinging like hell about your, your roommate because yeah. he was snoring. Yeah, so we were winding Molly up all day, how she snored all night. So the next next day, we were up early, ready for our game, and all we could hear was this loud snoring. And we were like, Jesus, no wonder Richie was whinging. Molly snoring like hell there. And then Molly walks into our room about 30 seconds later. <laughs> you. <laughs> well, so is that was that you snoring there or was it Molly? <laughs> that one was definitely Molly. That one, I had the phone right on his gob. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was like a zoo, that blooming uh, accommodation for a week. And, and do you know what, Paul? He still had that big room to himself. He didn't let either of us in. Oh, that was, that was it. He put two, two single beds together on a big double bed for himself, wouldn't he? Right, yeah. I was still in the I was still in the cot. I was in the smallest bed, six foot six and ten stone wet through. <laughs> it was a great few days, mate. Really enjoyed it. I haven't played on the carpet now. I'll never ever criticize a, a player who plays on there and has an off ball or whatever, you know what I mean? Because it's so easy to just miss that little bit of line or that little bit of pace. And it just sometimes it just makes you look silly. You just fractions out of being perfect. It's such a, a fact of being brilliant. Or just well, then on the on the flip side of that as well, though, when you're actually on the portable plane, and some of your balls that you think absolutely miles away, when when you watch them on the telly again, hey, actually they weren't that bad. It wasn't that bad, eh? and maybe that was already because I mean, because I remember at the time when I finished, I was like, oh, I was sick of playing and dropping them a yard short and went on the telly, but you only looked about a foot. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> It distorts all the angles, and that's why I looked about four stone heavier than what I am. Oh, we've gone that far, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The camera's, oh, the camera's only put a pound on you. She says, David came back and said, Did you say is I'm gonna have a I'm going on a diet? She says, I don't want anything to eat now. And then she went, Yeah, I'll have a coffee and a chocolate bar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's definitely there's definitely 52 Mondays in the year. And every, one of, every one of them, I keep saying, that's the one I'm going to start. Great stuff, mate. Well, thanks for coming on, mate. It's, um, obviously, we've asked you several times and you keep turning us down, but it's nice for you to turn up for once. Ah, no worries. I had a five minutes spare. <laughs> <laughs> right, mate, there we go. Show 47 over and done with. We had uh, Mr. Hartley on and we've had the world champion on as well. Two very good interviews. But before we go, I've got one question left. There was an incident in the World Championships, which everybody might have seen. Jason Greenslade playing Jason Banks. Jason Greenslade, no timeouts. He stopped because there was a noise. He then got on the mat again. He stopped again because there was another noise. And the shot clock timed out. He then was left there standing with his ball in his hand, looking at the umpires. To me, he put the umpires on the spot. Me, personally, I thought he should have given his ball up, Matt. We did put a question on our Facebook page in which we got 200 replies and I think it was probably a mixture of 50-50 whether he, sh- he should have been allowed to play the ball or he should have given the ball up, Matt. It's that whole thing. It's what we talked about earlier on about the, the, the noise and things that you can hear in the crowd. And <laughs> I, I think I think the sporting thing they're doing and it's no criticism of it, to be honest, but I, I thought he, would have, he should have given the ball up. He put young Jason Banks in a little bit of a position because he looked at Jason and Jason obviously he's not going to say, well, I'd have heard out. He says, well, there was a noise there. I'd say, give the ball up, like. Well, like I say, I, I think it reverts back to what we talked about earlier on. It'll be, it'll, be, it'll be nice if anybody listening to this obviously puts their comments on what the thoughts are. So obviously you've got Jamie there who's basically saying he likes the 30-second shot clock. Yeah. My comment prior to that is I think if you were allocated an amount of time in the end and what you've said obviously happened, then... I think I would have no qualms in turning around and saying, well, yeah, give the ball back. But then if you looked across the course of the end, I would be surprised if he's used his full quarter of air woman at 30 or prior to that last ball. Yeah. And he thinks something's happened. And this is what I mean. It just, for all, it's a great thing and it keeps the game ticking along and it keeps the pace up. When it comes to those little bits and pieces there, that's where it just falls down a little bit for me. 
it's the critical part at the end. I don't, I wouldn't even mind if the turnaround and says, right, you've got like 15 seconds for your first two balls and then you've got 45 seconds for your last two balls. I, I just think something needs to be done which doesn't allow that type of scenario to happen where you're literally buzzed out of this is a decision that's going to have to be made. Do you give your ball back or give you... I, I am sitting on the fence there a little bit, I know, which... Uh, I know, the, I know. I, I can see the splinters. I've got to be pulling them splinters over a fortnight, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to throw a hand grenade in straight away because I'd like to see the shot clock in for the pairs. So, moving on, before we go... <laughs> I agree with that. Eh? I agree with that, actually. Yeah. On the same basis of what we've talked about, Yeah. I agreed with you. There was a couple of times in the pairs where there is people walking up and down the green to discuss. You've got yeah. somebody telling you what to do. It's not like you've got seven balls up at the head and you, you cannot see what's happening. Yeah. It's not like you cannot see what's going on. Right? You've got literally all of the space and you've got somebody telling you what's going on. To go up and then have a full discussion is just ridiculous. Like, yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll move. I'll move you along just quickly and just say, well, at least one of us predicted the winner of the World Indoor Championships. In fact, I do believe that I predicted both finalists. Yeah, because in the last podcast you sat there and you went, "Yep, I'm uh, quite confident that Jamie Walker and Jason Banks are going to get to the final." You're not having it. You're not having it. I said qualifier and plus Jason, Mr. The only thing I'm going to give you is that you turned around and said you fancy the qualifier winner this year. But I'm not having you taking the glory because at the end of the day, I'd expect you to name that qualifier like we have to. Well, Mr. Parkinson put the the heck on uh, Darren Weir. He went out early. You put the heck on Sammy. Sammy went out. Les Gillard put the heck on Sammy and Wayne, I think. They went yeah. out. So there you go. I'm taking it. I'm having it. I, I actually messaged I, I messaged somebody prior to the final and somebody went, what a fantastic thing this is, having two qualifiers in the final. I went back and I went, no, it's not. No, it is not. I'm not having it. But Mackay, Mackay tipped the fact that there was going to be a qualifier. And not only has he got one, he's got two of them. That's an <laughs> absolute disgrace. I'm not having it. Not having it. Right. Anyway. That's it, mate. That's it. We've, it's, it'll be short and sweet. <laughs> this one won't. <laughs> um, I think we've been recording for two days. <laughs> uh, right, thanks, folks. Um, catch you soon. We'll have another one out in a couple in, in, in a month's time. Certainly will. Take care, everybody, and uh, all the best. Now, I'm not one to gloat boldly, but here are those predictions. So, we've got Les going with... Wayne and Sam. We've got Jason going with Sam and Darren Weir. We've got myself, who's Sam. And I'm going to chuck in Mark Royal into that pot because I think Mark's going to be fighting for his place this year. And Richie's just gone for everybody. Everyone. So... <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of them will win. Yeah, definitely. I'm positive. positive one of them will actually win in the end. That Yeah, so that's Richie's. Have you got And finally... During our 2021 Boxing Day podcast, Roasting Our Nuts, we had Alex Marshall and Jason Parkinson on, previewing the 2022 championships. Alex came out with this. Have you got the lottery numbers for 12 months' time, mate? I think a dark horse, not a dark horse, but a guy whose first time he's ever been in the World Championships is Jamie Walker. You know, we all know how good Jamie Walker is as a player. I think Jamie Walker is certainly one person to, to, to look out for. Uh, as I say, he's never been involved in the event before. So, you know, he's not going to be faced by 
anybody at all. Uh, if he can play the way that he can normally play, I think Jamie Watt, he's got the potential to win the, the, you know, the whole event. You know, if he plays well and gets the B breaks along the way, you know, there's no reason why, you know, he can go to win the, you know, the world indoor singles. Thank you for listening and hope you've enjoyed the show. This has been a dodgy production.